Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Today, I am bringing you a breakdown that also aired on YouTube, and I will link that video down below. But I talked a few weeks ago about whether or not Erica Girardi was going to be sued by the bankruptcy trustees in the personal bankruptcy to get back her assets uh, that she's claiming are gifts. And now it looks like the trustee is also seeking on the business side of this bankruptcy to bring in lawyer and commentator Ron Richards. But Erica's attorneys had a few things to say about that first. So this is a breakdown from Friday. I believe there's more information about the underlying conflict that I am looking into and will break down as I have an evaluation of that. But for today, we are going to talk more about these Girardi lawsuits because there is so much information. I feel like we should just get into it. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. So have you seen the taglines for Beverly Hills season 11. Apparently Erica's tagline is quote, the strongest substance on earth isn't diamonds. It's me. Well, we'll see. I'm interested to see how that goes on season 11. Also, before we get all the way into this breakdown, I want to remind you that today, today, Wednesday, the day that this first airs, the Pride Lawnard merch is available at lawnardshop.com. So there will be a link down below, but you can go to lawnardshop.com and check out the Lawnards Unite Pride merch. And I am very, very excited to see what you think and to bring that to you. Thank you so much for your continued support of the shop. And I can't wait to see your Lawnard Pride. So let's get into this. I'm going to do the scantest of recaps because there is so much going on in this case. By way of a slight recap, Erica Girardi, stage name Erica Jane, is a real housewife on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She is married to formerly famed California litigator Tom Girardi. He did all kinds of big cases, billion-dollar settlements, super bougie rich. They've got planes. They've got money. They've got cars. All of it seems like it was built on a house of cards because now Tom Girardi and his law firm are in two different bankruptcy, and there is a veritable fuck-ton of litigation against Tom Girardi and his law firm. Clients that haven't been paid, and clients that haven't been paid means victims of uh plane crashes, toxic tort incidents, people who have gotten injured uh, in boating accidents, people who have hired Tom as their lawyer, gone through litigation, won money judgments, which is a hard thing to do in the first place. And then Tom was like, let me hold that for you. I got you. And then didn't pay them. And now the money is gone. So the bankruptcy courts are trying to parse it out. Two bankruptcy courts. One, Tom Girardi's personal assets him the dude, to Tom Girardi's law firm, Girardi Keese 
the business. The business is trying to claw back monies that have been lent, trying to make sure that cases don't go walking out the door because they work on contingency. Contingency lawyers get paid after it's done. They front the money and get paid after it's done. So there's still cases out there. There are still clients that were Girardi clients who are waiting to have the case resolved, which just breaks my heart for people because getting to the point where you have to hire an attorney is scary enough. It's stressful enough. It's really annoying. Once you get to the point where you have to hire a lawyer, it's bad. Then you go through court with that lawyer. And then all of a sudden that lawyer has disappeared off the face of the planet. And you're having to deal with the bankruptcy court to figure out who can be your next lawyer because you can't just go hire somebody because the money that you're, that Tom Girardi spent on your case is an asset of the bankruptcy court. There, it's complex bankruptcy shit. What is going on with relation to Erica Girardi is that she is A, in the middle of divorcing Tom Girardi, and that's going to wait a hot minute. But B, both bankruptcy courts are trying to get back some of her assets. In the personal side of the bankruptcy, the side where they're selling the house and dealing with the cars, which were mostly leased, which kind of sur surprised me, but whatevs. Um, dealing with the personal side of the bankruptcy, they are trying to hire counsel, and that was just approved. We'll talk about that in a second. Hire counsel to sue Erica Girardi to recover assets. The bankruptcy court, the law firm Girardi Keys, also wants to hire counsel, special litigation counsel, to sue Erica to claw back any loans that the law firm made to her, her loan out company, EJ Creative, and what have you. So two loss, two potential lawsuits going on for Erica in the personal bankruptcy, the court just granted a motion. I think I forgot to do the swoopy thing when we got into this. So now that we're actually getting into the documents, we did the road so far and the roundup. Let's get into the latest legal tea with the Erica Girardi getting sued by the bankruptcy trustees. In bankruptcy court, the trustee can sue your ass for shit that they want back inside the bankruptcy court. So it all stays in bankruptcy, but they can sue you. The trustees in the personal bankruptcy against Tom Girardi as an individual sought to hire counsel. Axe, Axe by the way, is being sued by the business trustee, which is very confusing to me because they've got issues over with regard to the law firm, which is very interesting. But they've been hired as litigation counsel against Erica Girardi. That was just approved May 12th. So I think we will see them beginning the process to sue Erica Girardi inside of the bankruptcy court. Why was Axe hired? Let's just Let's just get into it really quickly so that we can talk about what purpose ACTS, ACTS, the law firm, was going to uh, serve with regard to trying to claw back goods in the personal bankruptcy. Because Erica Girardi is saying most of the shit she has, uh, it's not community property, so it doesn't go into the bankruptcy because it's her individual property. Need for legal counsel. Debtor is married to Erica Girardi who is not a debtor in the bankruptcy. Trustee believes Erica is in possession of the debtor's bankruptcy estate or has transferred assets to third parties prior to the commencement of this bankruptcy case. However, the trustee has been informed 
uh, by Erica that she does not have any community property in possession except for certain household items and that she does have, um, and all that she does have were alleged gifts from the debtor, which she claims are her separate property. Getting into when is it a gift, when is it not a gift is going to end up being a court determination based on value. It's going to be a situation. The trustee requires special counsel to seek recovery of estate assets. This is the shit that she owns. Rings, jewelry, clothes, art, all of it. They are going to try to seek to bring back. She is saying, um, the shit that you gave me is mine. In the world, uh, in the world of marital property in California, there are some quirks to it that can make these things gifts or not gifts. It depends on what they were, um, what they were doing, what they were signing over. If they said it was a gift, how they said it was a gift, how it was purchased. There's a lot here. It's not just absolutely cut and dry with regard to what is and is not her marital property. So the trustee requires special counsel to seek recovery of the uh, assets from Erica or third-party transfers of Erica. So uh, now that the Axe law firm has been granted permission, because the bankruptcy judge is the boss up in this bitch. The bankruptcy judge is like, everything goes through me. You want to hire an attorney? Goes through me. You want to spend some money to um, deal with assets or clean out the office or get an accountant? It goes through me. Everything that's happening gets approved by the court. Everything. So I think we will see Axe initiating litigation against Erica to try to get back her assets or coming to a stipulated and agreed to settlement saying, okay, we will give you these things. We will not give you these things. Can we all agree? Because we'd like to not go to trial. And that can happen too. But now that counsel is appointed, this was on May 12th, I'm sure counsel called Erica's counsel and was like, we need to have a chat about the property. <laughs> Where's the Jaguar ring? We want to know where is the Cartier? We would like it to come back to the court because there aren't a lot of assets here. There's not going to be a lot left after the house because the house is already divided up. It's going to the Rui Gomez creditors who are owed like $11 million. And then there are some others that it will go to. So there's not going to be much left after the house is sold. It's being listed for $13 million. Let's talk about what's going on on the business side of the bankruptcy. The bankruptcy trustee filed a motion to hire litigation counsel a little bit later than was done in the personal bankruptcy. And they hired a motion to hire Ron Richards. Now, RR, because saying Ronald Richards over and over, well, I appreciate the alliteration. I will like trip over my own tongue saying his name over and over and over. Ronald Richards has been keeping people up to date on this case over on Twitter um, with the documents. He's been attending the court hearings. What we learned from other um, filings in this case is he does represent some of the debtors in the personal side of the bankruptcy. So on the personal side of the bankruptcy, he represents some of the law firms that are owed money by Tom Girardi, according to their filings. But in the business side, the bankruptcy 
bankruptcy trustee said, hey, we'd like to go ahead and hire you so that you can go sue Erica Girardi. I did a whole podcast episode breaking down the document seeking to hire him for that purpose. Now, I was wondering if Erica Girardi's attorneys would object. And I wondered that in the episode of The Emily Show where I covered it. And sure enough, they absolutely did object in a 69-page document that I don't know why my computer doesn't want to pull up, but we're going to do that right now because, because we need to. I had it up earlier. I think I accidentally closed it when I was closing my other stuff, which is going to give away what we're talking about tonight for Court of Public Opinion at the end of the show. But while that's pulling up, it was very interesting to me that of all the attorneys in the world, and California is replete with lawyers, like there are plenty of lawyers. If there was ever a state with a veritable fuck ton of lawyers, it is, in fact, California. But Ron Richards, who's been commenting on the case, like color commentary, there are times I'm like, I'm sh- I could be shady. I don't mind being shady, but ooh. We've gone in, like, honey, we have gone in on Erica Jane on Twitter. It was interesting to me that that was the choice by the um, bankruptcy trustee. I don't know how that came about. I don't know how those conversations happened. It's fascinating to me that they did. And why is this not pulling up? So this was, now we have it up. Thank the Lord. We're professionals here, people. Everyone who's new, it doesn't always go this smoothly, but you know, sometimes. So let's just pull it back up off the pacer since it's not pulling up on the other side. Fun. So this is a 33-page document with regards to Richards being appointed or the bankruptcy trustee seeking to have him appointed as the litigation counsel in this case. So we're going to make this bigger and we're going to go through it together and see what they're saying. No, we're not going through all 69 pages. Yes, it's 69 pages. Yes, I'm a child. And I was like, let's talk about the introduction. Erica Girardi is the current but estranged spouse of Tom Girardi. Mr. Girardi is a debtor in related case, the Girardi case. He is also a principal of Girardi Keys, the debtor So this is in the law firm bankruptcy, GK. In this case, the GK case, Eliza D. Miller is the Chapter 7 bankruptcy trustee. Erica submits this opposition to the application filed on April 26th by the trustee for authority to employ Ron Richards and Associates, APC, the Richards firm, as special litigation counsel. Ronald N. Richards is the principal of the Richards firm. As described in the application, the trustee contends that Erica may have received avoidable transfers from the debtor. Application 20, this is where it is. Although not a single potentially avoidable transfer is identified, and they didn't identify them. It's interesting because on Twitter a while ago, there's been speculation about whether there was a $20 million loan to Erica Jane's business, EJ Creative, Because in one of the many lawsuits where Tom Girardi and his firm are being sued, one of the attorney or one of the firms that's suing him said, we believe there's this $20 million loan out there and they just put it out into the universe. But on Twitter, Ron Richards is like, we have found no evidence that this loan exists, but is now seeking to be hired to go find loans from the law firm to 
Erica or to her companies to sue her and bring that money back into the estate to redistribute it to the various debtors, which include past clients of Tom Girardi. So the purpose here is not the problem. I am cool with if if the law firm gave Erica money that it shouldn't have given her, pay the money back so it can go to the clients. I have no problem with that. The quirk is whether Richards can be the attorney to do that. So the, the trustee seeks authority to employ the Richards firm on a contingency fee basis. We've talked about that. I get After the money comes back in, then you get paid. We're not paying you hourly or on a retainer. For the purpose of investigating and recovering the alleged transfers to Erica. Erica understands that such investigation must take place as part of trustees' duties. So they're saying, yeah, we get it. We get that you need to go find the money. Get it. She is also aware that Jason Rund, the trustee in the Girardi case, has sought to employ acts, which they have employed, as special litigation counsel for the same purpose. Significantly, Erica did not object to the employment of acts. What this indicates to me is that this thing I speculated about earlier, Axe is going to get hired and then Axe and her attorneys are going to start talking to try to come to some kind of a resolution. This indicates to me that they're like, yes, this is part of your duty. We're going to see if we can work together to turn over what you think we owe and fight on the things we don't think we owe. Here, however, Erica objects to the employment of the Richards firm on the grounds that the firm has actual conflicts of interest, which disqualify it from acting as special counsel to the trustee. This was a question I raised on the podcast, but they bring up facts that I was not aware of at that time because they were not disclosed in that application. In law, conflicts are a problem. We talked about it in the Toddy Westbrook case, whether there was a conflict created with a witness in that case, potentially with one of the attorneys, and then that would make a larger conflict. Conflicts of interest are a big problem. Your attorney has to have your best interest at in mind. But if they have your best interest, they can't also have this other person's best interest. And two people or two entities can conflict. That is a very, very basic and simple explanation of conflict but I think it works for our purposes. First, the Richards firm represents and continues to represent plaintiffs in the competing Sheldon litigation defined below, asserting the very same alleged fraudulent transfer claims against Erica that he now seeks to prosecute on behalf of the trustee. Oof. And which belong exclusively to the bankruptcy estate. Double oof. Not only does the uh, continued assertion of these alleged claims violate the automatic stay by seeking a recovery on the claims that belong to the bankruptcy estate, it compromises any advice the Richards firm may render to the trustee with respect thereto. That is a problem. I don't know if the bankruptcy court's going to dig that, but what they're saying is that Richards has another client this is what they're alleging. Richards has another client that is going after Erica for the same money that the bankruptcy court needs to get back to pay the debtors. And those two things are in conflict. Now, if there is another case that involves trying to go after Erica for funds, they're saying that is stayed by the bankruptcy court and the bankruptcy court comes first, not this other case. But there's no way you can tell the bankruptcy yeah, yeah, go ahead and go after this money when you have another client already going after the same pot of money. How do you divvy that up? That's where they're saying there's an actual conflict. Second, the plaintiffs in the Sheldon litigation, two law firms assert that they have claims against the estate 
based on purported oral fee, fee, oral fee splitting agreements with debtor. In California, oral fee splitting agreements are not enforceable. So now the shade is, yeah, and you can't enforce the monies that you're trying to enforce on that other case, but you represent them. As a result, at some point, the trustee will have to take a position on these claims. The trustee will have to say those claims are BS and they can't be paid is what they're alluding to. Her fiduciary duties will require her to object to them. So she's going to have to object on one hand to the attorney that she hired. Sweet. If she fails to object or compromises these patently objectionable claims, such negotiation with her own counsel gives rise at a minimum to an appearance of impropriety and undermines the bankruptcy code's fundamental underpinnings of transparency and independence of the bankruptcy trustee. The bankruptcy trustee is supposed to be like, look, my job is to get the money back into the estate and divvy it up. That's all I'm here for. I'm not taking sides. This, I'm just moving the pieces on the board. Not only does this make the trustee actually adverse to these purported claimants, oof, the Richards firm is conflicted as to any confidential information it has or may acquire from one or either of these proposed clients, right? Because you can't section off your brain and be like, oh, I learned this one thing from this client, but I can't know this thing for this client, which as we get into... Um, I know you guys are seeing that the story regarding KKW Beauty and Kylie Cosmetics is coming down. This is part of the argument there is that you have knowledge that can't be given to this other business entity. And that's what's going on in this. You can't fracture off that knowledge. Finally, aside from his actual conflicts of interest, get ready, get ready. Here comes the shade. Finally, aside from his actual conflicts of interest, it's clear that Mr. Richards's motivations include promoting himself with tabloid-style publicity on social media rather than maintaining the decorum appropriate to litigants before the bankruptcy court. Since December 4th, 2020, Mr. Richards has made at least 290 social media posts about this case and or Erica. Copies of certain of these Posts are attached here too as Exhibit C, which will be fun for us to go through. For example, on April 12th, 2021, Richards tweeted, your first look at the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season 11, a nice preview of all the impeachable statements Erica Jane will make, reflecting an apparent bias and prejudgment of Erica and the issues. Richards has also commented on Erica's marital residence, her current residence, posted pictures of Girardi alongside Bernie Madoff and Pete Rose, posted pictures and commentary about an alleged burglary at the Girardi's marital residence, and repeatedly ended his tweets with the hashtag Girardi fraud. See Exhibit C. While this conduct may be appropriate for social media influencers, Hi, is that what we do here? <laughs> I think so. Legal commentary. It is not appropriate for a lawyer representing a party in a bankruptcy case, and it is particularly unseemly for counsel to a trustee. This is this is them saying, what we're not going to do is give salacious commentary on the case and then go ahead and become a litigant in the case. But they're not hanging their hat on Twitter. Twitter is not the main issue here. It is giving context to the court to kind of push 
I think, to push the court over the edge to look, there's a conflict here, and then there's, but wait, there's more, because the actual conflict is the bigger problem in this, not Twitter. Twitter is a secondary problem to the larger problem. Statement of facts, don't we love her? We love Triller. This is a federal pleading. See, they introduced it and told us what was going to happen. They gave us the story. They get a little bit of tea, a little bit of background. And then there are going to be facts. We love facts. Facts. A little bit of shade and facts. The Richards firm's disclosures. And I went through this on the episode where I broke down the application. The application's disclosure regarding the firm's disinterestedness, the we don't have any conflicts here, it's all good, consists of the following. We've read this already. Um, Blah, blah, we don't have any conflict. The pending Sheldon litigation, attached here too as Exhibit A, and if you want me to go through that litigation, let me know in the comments or the chat, because we're not going to go through that other litigation tonight. What we're not going to do is two different lawsuits this evening, but we can do that if you are interested. Attached here to as Exhibit A is a copy of the First Amendment complaint in the Sheldon litigation, which is the basis of the above-quoted disclosure. Among other things, Sheldon FAC added Erica, EJ Global LLC, and Girardi Financial as defendants, although the Richards firm is not listed on the caption of the Sheldon FAC, on January 29th, 21, the firm filed a notice of association of counsel in the case, meaning they said, hey, we're here too. We're part of this case. The Sheldon litigation was removed from Los Angeles court to this court on March 5th. What that means is that it was brought under the bankruptcy umbrella. Remember, everything gets pulled into bankruptcy and gets dealt with in the bankruptcy. The Richards firm failed to disclose at least two conflicts of interest. As shown by the Sheldon FAC and discussed below, the Richards firm disinterestedness disclosure, that's a lot of S's, in the application omits at least two critical details regarding the firm's representation, um, which make the Richards firm actually adverse to trustee. Meaning, Richards, Richards and the trustee are on opposite sides of a money thing in the bankruptcy court which means Richards can't then work for the trustee on this thing because they are they have different interests on the same amount of money. And that is problematic as hell. These are the two alleged conflicts. One, the causes of action in that litigation, which the Richards firms continues to prosecute, include the very same alleged fraudulent transfer type claims against Erica that belong exclusively to GK and the estate. And two, the plaintiff's Two law firms hold objectionable claims against the GK estate for oral fee splitting agreements, meaning they were counsel working with Girardi Keese on a case. And Girardi Keese was like, yo, yo, I got you. I'm going to pay you this much. When we get this case, I need your help and we will just split the fees and it won't be written. California is like, no, man, put that shit in writing. So the bankruptcy trustee is going to have to say, we're not paying this because it wasn't done properly, and that puts them at odds with Ron Richards. Because the Richards firm has actual conflicts of interest with the trustee, the application must be denied, which will be very interesting to see what the court does, because actual conflict, I don't know if that will be waivable, meaning the bankruptcy trustee will be like, no, it's cool, because I don't know how you can say no, it's cool, and I don't know how the other client could say no, it's cool when they're fighting over the same money. Um, 
Section 327E permits the employment of counsel by a trustee. You can do this, but they does not represent or hold any interest adverse to the debtor. And then they define adverse interest. It means that you can, you are literally adversarial parties. And then they go through and break down the law of why this is a problem. The claims of the plaintiff in the Sheldon FAC are actually adverse, meaning it's not just a perception. We're actually fighting over the same shit and you can't argue both things. The trustee is adverse to the assertion of claims based on the fee splitting. Again, as they said in the introduction, they're now just laying out the law for it and really very easily written because it's like in the introduction, these are our arguments. Then these are the facts that support the arguments, you know, actual IRAC format. Then here's the law and here in each heading is a summary of why it doesn't work. It's very clean and easy to read. This is the, for example, their summary. Here, the Richards firm cannot simultaneously represent the trustee and the plaintiffs in the Sheldon litigation in investigating and prosecuting purported avoidance claims against Erica. The claims of his existing clients to the proceeds of any potential recoveries against Erica through the Sheldon litigation are adverse to the trustee. We all want the same money. Um, adverse to the trustee's assertion of exclusive rights to pursue such potential recoveries, meaning the trustee is going to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That money's ours. You can't bring those claims here. The plaintiffs cannot separately collect on these alleged claims uh, as doing so would deprive the estate of the asset. So it's very clean. Here's the issue in our heading. Here's the law. Here's why we're saying it's a problem. This gets into the California fee splitting agreements. They must be written. Um, the, if the court grants the application, it should issue a gag order. <laughs> if, if, if for some reason you deny us, then we need a, a kindly shut the fuck up order here. If Richards is able to overcome his direct conflict, meaning if this can be waived in some way, or if um, the other claims are withdrawn or something like that, then Erica hereby requests this court to restrict Richards from making any further extrajudicial comments on these proceedings. This is necessary to ensure the fairness of the judicial process and to ensure that Richard complies with his ethical obligations under the California Rules of Professional Conduct 3.6. I, I broke this down in the podcast too. A lawyer who is participating or who has participated in the investigation of a matter shall not make an extrajudicial statement that the lawyer knows or reasonably knows, reasonably should know, will one, be disseminated by means of public communication like Twitter, and two, have a substantial likelihood of materially prejudicing an adjudicative proceeding in the matter. And then it's are the statements prejudicial? But you never want to really get to the point where you have to argue about the statements when it's avoidable. There are limited exceptions to this rule, namely that the lawyer may state basic facts. I broke all this down in the other episode. Um, they also may, they also can seek evidence, which we've seen in other cases. The exceptions do not excuse Richard's historical conduct, which goes far beyond those exceptions and should be stopped if his employment by the trustee is granted. Tom Girardi is a longtime Los Angeles trial lawyer who is recently accused in multiple forms of having misappropriated client settlements um, and to have otherwise violated his ethical legal obligations. That's putting it mildly. 
the state bar put it much more directly. Mr. Girardi's well-known national profile within the legal community covered, coupled with Erica's status as a member of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has subjected this particular matter to extensive amount of publicity. Yep, hi, we're part of the extensive amount of publicity. While in many regards, the publicity cannot be avoided given the circumstances, right, because bankruptcies open and apparent and all of the filings are publicly available. While in many regards, the publicity cannot be avoided given the circumstances, the attorneys involved in this bankruptcy and other related litigation should not be permitted to further expose this matter to public scrutiny beyond the very narrow exceptions of the rules. Mr. Richards has at least 13 a uh, thousand followers on Twitter. According to his Twitter fo- profile, he is a former paid legal analyst for NBC News. He regularly posts YouTube videos and comments to the press in this case. Does Richards have a YouTube channel that I'm not aware of? Or are they talking about him being on others' YouTube channel? I didn't know that. I didn't know he had a YouTube. I didn't know he was doing the YouTube things. Unaware. I know that he's um, given interviews to other channels. Since December of 2020, Richards has made over 290 comments. Does that seem like a lot? I mean, because he does cover the hearings, and those are in multiple successions of tweets of this is what's going on in hearings. Does 290 seem like a lot to you in the chat? Let me know. Is 290 a lot? Because we've seen cases where there's a lot. We've seen cases with 80 videos. We've seen cases with tweets. Is 290 a lot to y'all? What do you think? Richards has made over 290 comments, posted dozens of pictures via Twitter on a near daily basis about Mr. Girardi and Erica. A sampling of those tweets is attached. Oh, and we will get there. Um, on April 12th, we already read that in the above. We talked about the Girardi fraud above. Uh, conclude. This statement alone reflects Mr. Richards' bias and prejudgment of Erica. Richards regularly provides his own opinion and interpretation. Right commentary of this litigation and Erica's participation herein. The problem is trying to um, cross over between commentary and then becoming a litigant is where the problem is. The commentary itself is not a problem. The representation itself wouldn't be a problem. The two I don't know if can coexist. This conduct is both unbecoming of a lawyer that goes far beyond the limited exceptions of Rule 3.6. Well, yeah, if they're part of the litigation, then yes. A lawyer for a bankruptcy trustee is held to a higher standard than a social media commentator. I mean, fair, which I regularly say, I'm not a lawyer in this case. I'm a commentator. We can we can do what we want on the YouTubes commentating on a case. For the reasons set forth above, the court must deny the application. I think that Twitter is giving context to the court, but the actual conflict becomes the kicker here. So declaration of Peter J. Mastin, I'm a partner with the firm since no later than March 12th and continuing through April 24th. Richard has emailed me requesting acceptance of service of a summons and complaint against Erica in the Sheldon litigation. Oh, so we know he's involved because he keeps telling us he's involved. Attached A is that complaint, B is the notice of association of counsel, C is the tweets. All right, let's let's take a look at the exhibits. And if you're a new law nerd, um, we call them receipts. Legally, they're called exhibits. In the law nerd world, they are receipts. So let's go into the receipts. The association of counsel, lawsuit, lawsuit, lawsuit. We'll cover the lawsuit another time if you guys are interested in this associated case. Um, notice of association of counsel. 
there's the notice of associate it was still with the PO box. There are little things sometimes that bug me and I try to let them go and I can't the PO box is one of them. 45 line paper is another one that that is why Erica's attorneys are like, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. What we're not going to do is have Ron Richards, who's been tweeting about her since December and 290 tweets come in here and now be litigating against her. Twitter is the color commentary. Like I said, the actual conflict becomes the actual problem that the court's going to have to parse. We'll see if he responds or we will see if the court hears this or we will see if the court just has a hearing on it and goes through it. So that's what it is. That's a lot, right? Erica's attorneys definitely have some feelings. But as I said, and as I still believe, I don't know if the Twitter is going to be the issue. I really think it's going to be this potential conflict and there may be more information there. Attorney Ron Richards reached out to me and provided some more information that I am going to be going over to see the other side. I hope that we will see him respond in court and we can go over those public records as well. But because this is regarding an underlying lawsuit that is already public record, breaking that down is not going to be a problem for me. So we will see where this goes and what the bankruptcy judge decides to do. I'd love to know your thoughts on this and how you think this should go, what you think the judge should do. And if you're like, yeah, I'm not bothered or like, yeah, this is weird. Let me know either in a review or hit me up on social media in the comments at the Emily D Baker on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you find me on any of those socials, don't forget to drop a purple heart to show your Lawnard love. Thank you for being a Lawnard, and I will see you next week. Hey there, Lawnard. Thanks for hanging with me for another episode. If you are looking for a way to show your Lawnard pride, head on over to lawnardshop.com for all of your amazing Lawnard needs. That's where you're going to find your We Ride at Dawn merch, your Lawnard Love merch, and even the very popular Control F Yourself merch. <laughs> it's all there for you at lawnardshop.com. You see me wearing it on social. It's exactly the same stuff you get. My favorite right now is the all black facts hat. And we have new merch coming every month on the 15th. So be sure to keep an eye out on social media for the latest and greatest. See you at lawnardshop.com. And don't forget to tag me in what you're wearing.